I mean, how often did you not build shipping into the price of the good because you could charge the customer for it? And let's be real, some manufacturers were making money on that shipping, sure. right? Yeah. Shipping and handling, let's not all forget. Uh, but you know, now they have to build it into the cost. Like they've had to change kind of the way that they approach uh, selling goods because of behaviors Amazon has taught all of us. Welcome back to Retail Oriented Retail Fans. Uh, I am your host, Mike Fowler. I'm the VP of Sales Strategy here at Sales Factory, and I am really excited to have a very special guest, as you can see on her mug, uh, Emily Bratton, our VP of Digital and also our resident e-commerce expert. Uh, Emily, thanks for joining us on the pod today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a lot of, of really interesting things today. Um, the e-commerce world kind of changed a couple of years ago in the wake of the pandemic. So we want to talk about kind of what are the implications of that. We want to talk a lot about Amazon as a marketplace and, and how they've set, set up and structured their business. And then we may even get into some, some predictions for the future. So should be a good conversation. Uh, but I want to start with a little bit of your background. So Emily, just tell us, how did you get to this seat today? Tell us a little bit about your background, specifically in regards to e-commerce. Yeah, I uh, started my career actually as a front-end web developer, which is not e-commerce, uh, but quickly transitioned to do email marketing uh, at Sierra Trading Post, um, which is owned by the TJX companies. So, uh, and there learned a ton about you know how e-commerce works. They started as a catalog company, transitioned to online retail. And when I was working on their email marketing, they sold 70% of their revenue through emails alone. So crazy amount. So that was, you know, an interesting first step. Came here to Sales Factory uh, and then started to learn Amazon. So, uh, you know, Jed is kind of known for giving big tasks to hopefully smart people. Uh, and one of those was uh, one of our clients. They were having some challenges on Amazon. Uh, and they decided, well, maybe Sales Factory can figure it out. And Jed said, well, maybe Emily can figure it out. So I took over uh, the Amazon account of one of our clients and uh, they did quite a bit of sales on Amazon. So not low risk necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I started to kind of learn about, you know, hands-on Amazon, how it works, advertising, uh, the issues, how not helpful their help desk is, all of those things. So, uh, and here we are basically six years later and now uh, kind of run the digital and e-commerce team. So, yeah. and with everything digital and e-commerce, it is constant learning, right? Yes. So you're, you've been learning since day one and are still learning today, right? Yes. So that's just kind of par for the course. Let's kind of level set for some of our listeners that may be really familiar with Amazon and marketplaces versus traditional e-commerce, like a retailer that has brick and mortar and not. So so can you kind of start us with what are the basic e-commerce platforms that are out there? Obviously, Amazon is one, but what are some of the others? And what are some of the little differences between them? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, you know, Amazon is definitely the leader uh, in the retail space. And even Amazon has two different ways that you can interact with their marketplace. Um, I would definitely say, you know, there's a difference between a marketplace and just an e-commerce site, right? So if I'm doing direct to consumer, that's just my brand, I'm selling it myself. That's not a marketplace. A marketplace is where we have multiple sellers competing on price, 
shipping, you know, all of those things. Uh, Amazon, the way that they kind of work, they have 1P and 3P. So 1P is you're treating Amazon more like a traditional retailer. You are selling them items and then they have control over those items, both from a warehouse perspective, from a price perspective, all of those things. Now you can still promote your items just like you can in a brick and mortar store, you know, with shopper marketing. Uh, then we have 3P, so that's third party sellers. Uh, and the concept there is that the third party seller is still controlling their goods. So they control price, they control their inventory. Uh, they have not sold it through Amazon, but they do pay Amazon a fee to be listed on their marketplace. So in most cases, it's a 15% fee on the sale price of that item. Um, some of the other, I guess, e-commerce leaders, uh, you know, Walmart doesn't want to be left behind. So Walmart also is a marketplace. Uh, they have third-party sellers just like Amazon does. Uh, and then as you kind of start to go down the list of retailers, almost every other retailer has some sort of e-commerce platform, yep. whether it's a traditional marketplace or some kind of hybrid or something they control. That's kind of where it varies by these different retailers. So can we talk about um, kind of assortment selection between Amazon and Walmart and some others and somebody like Lowe's or Home Depot or Target? for example. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, Amazon, obviously assortment, you can find anything on Amazon, right? Like that's kind of the cool thing about Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and for sure, walmart.com very uh, specifically is trying to kind of copy that same kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, when I think about retailers and why I trust brick and mortar, it's actually that they have filtered or um, somehow qualified the products that they put on the shelf. So, you know, there was kind of this concept that the digital shelf was infinite, right? That uh, a brick and mortar shelf, you know, if we're just looking at a single shelf in a single bay, it has what, maybe like 10, 20 facings, depending on the type of product. Sure. Uh, and maybe there are duplicates in there. So maybe it's only actually five to 10 different products in that single thing. Uh, if you think about digital, right, there are multiple pages. So page one has, let's say 50 facings, and then I go to page two, 50 more, and that there's this kind of infinity in the assortment. Uh, but I do think in brick and mortar, you know, consumers trust brick and mortar because they assume the retailer is only putting quality goods on their shelf uh, versus online. It's much more uh, onus is on the consumer to make sure that they're picking the quality good. So that's kind of the difference in assortment. And I think that's kind of the trade off as you increase the assortment level, you're also increasing the consumer's responsibility in the process of, you know, looking at ratings and reviews and comparing pricing and looking at, you know, special features and uh, reading the product description, which how many of us have ever actually read the product description on Amazon? <laughs> Probably none of us. So um, I think that's kind of one of these, the major push and pull of digital uh, versus brick and mortar. Um, you know, I will say in recent years, there's kind of been this backlash to the infinite shelf kind of concept mm -hmm. uh, because how many of us have actually clicked to page two? Not very many of us. So uh, this concept that, you know, every product is discoverable on Amazon. Well, no, because if you're product number a thousand, no one will ever get to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So follow up question to that. Have you ever clicked to page two? 
as a consumer, well, uh, not, yes. not for your job. <laughs> good caveat. Uh, no, yeah, a thousand right. percent I have not. Okay, so. good to know. Um, <laughs> we're humans also, and we're, we consume just like everybody else. Yes. Um, all right, so y- you mentioned uh, a concept of being able to get anything there, right? And that's kind of how people view Amazon today because you can get toilet paper and groceries to cell phone accessories to you can probably get just about anything through Amazon today. There have been other retailers in the past that have kind of had that same feel, right? Like I'm, I'll age myself a little bit and say <laughs> that I remember Sears, right? Like Sears Roebuck catalog was the end all in their day, right? That's where you got everything. The first home that I purchased was purchased from a Sears catalog, right? I didn't purchase it from the Sears catalog. I'm not that old, <laughs> but um, it was a Sears house, right? So you, you bought it from the catalog and then you constructed it on your land. Walmart has kind of stepped in after mm-hmm. Sears and been the place that you can go to for anything from a car battery to an Apple, right? So Amazon is that now. So can we talk a little bit about kind of the evolution um, of taking that from brick and mortar, um, which is in catalog, to now in your pocket where you can just pick out your phone and have your Amazon Prime app and click on it and everything will be there in, in a day or two yeah, on, the or, long, on the long end. Or two hours. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, anyways, the question, I guess, is, you know, what what is what is how is that evolution of affecting consumers you know from catalog and brick and mortar to today where everything is instant well and i think it's actually you could rephrase the question of how is that actually impacting retailers cuz that's sure. really the the twist to me is uh you know i definitely think if we looked at like retail over time there's kind of this evolution of growing assortment which also grows footprint and that's how you kind of get to kmart walmart you know, Walmart won that one, I guess. Target. Um, There's no guessing. They won that yeah, one. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think actually, so where Amazon stepped in, uh, yes, those those stores already had the assortment level of, you know, one-stop shop, so to speak. Yep. Um, and Amazon definitely has that as well. Uh, I think where they stepped up their game was actually what you just mentioned, which is shipping. So, you know, Amazon Prime definitely changed the game from the perspective of, you know, being able to get two-day free shipping on anything. And now as consumers, we all expect that as just kind of like the baseline. Uh, So some people who know me know that my husband is into cars. Uh, We just bought an uh, E30, an old E30, and he's really tired of, uh, we don't have a garage, so it sits outside and he's constantly, every time it rains, yes, you know, blow dry it off and all this stuff. She's like, I'm just going to get a car cover, you know? So he does some research online. He finds like the perfect car cover that he wanted. He goes to Amazon. It doesn't have free shipping and it doesn't get there in two days, but it's the perfect car cover. (laughs) It is the exact right car cover that he wants. What does he do? Nope. Can't buy it. Right. It doesn't even matter that it's going to take, you know, five days and cost $10 more shipping. Amazon has taught him so much that you must have that like shipping preference that he pivoted to something that doesn't fit as well, but was at an auto zone and he could go and get it that day so that he could like have that immediate gratification. Now, you know, an E30 is super small, so the car cover doesn't fit perfectly, but he was willing to compromise that just for, you know, this immediacy. And I'm like, if, if this happened a decade ago, 
he would have just, you know, paid the $10 for shipping and waited three days more, right? Yeah. Like, because yeah. it was the right car cover. So I think that's actually where the evolution has happened is that Amazon has taught consumers very specific behaviors and other retailers are having to adapt to that. And not just retailers, manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how often did you not build shipping into the price of the good because you could charge the customer for it? And let's be real, some manufacturers were making money on that shipping, sure. right? Yeah. Shipping and handling, let's not all forget. Uh, but you know, now they have to build it into the cost. Like they've had to change kind of the way that they approach uh, selling goods because of behaviors Amazon has taught all of us. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really like where the evolution is. And that's where you see a bunch of retailers just trying to chase Amazon. And sure, they're trying to chase dollars, but they're also chasing consumer expectations in yeah. some ways uh, that they realize they can't be Sears because when Sears didn't evolve, what happened to Sears? It went away. Yeah. So, you know, that's how where you see the targets, the Walmarts, even Home Improvement, Lowe's, Home Depot, they're trying their best to kind of catch up to that new way of shopping. Um, I think the other way that shopping has maybe changed, and we maybe don't realize this as much, uh, is that big box is designed, to your point, to be able to get a car battery or an Apple in the same trip. What Amazon has taught us is just buy it in the moment. Mm. And that you may actually make, you know, five different purchases from Amazon in one day because there's no reason not to. Like you're not being punished, mm. you know, by buying individual things. So it's actually that's a an interesting behavior in and of itself is instead of building a cart and purchasing that cart all at one time, you may just say, oh, I can't forget that, you know, I need this phone cord. I'm just going to go buy it now. Yep. And you buy it. Three hours later, you're like, oh, shoot, I really need dryer sheets. Buy now, right? So you could make multiple individual transactions with Amazon all throughout your day. And that is something that like you would never do in big box, right? You yeah. always plan your trip ahead because who actually wants to go to Walmart? Sure. But no one, and yeah. you surely don't want to go twice in one day. <laughs> like that is just not a thing that we would do. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really interesting observation. Um, and I, this is a behavior that I performed probably yesterday, but <laughs> definitely in the past week, I can think of a, a an instance where I was putting some things in a cart for my son and I's camping trip. Right. So I was kind of. I, I need this. There's a couple of things that I've got all my camping stuff, but he's new to it. He's three years old. So trying to get him ready, I'm like, we need more light than I usually have in the campground. So I'm trying to think through all these things. And then I was like, oh, well, we need paper towels. So I stepped out of my cart that I was creating for another thing, <laughs> bought now paper towels, and then went back to my cart. And it, it's just something that we do all the time. It, yeah. There's no penalty like you said, and so it has definitely changed behaviors. And it's it's really interesting because we, ha as manufacturers, we have to adapt and figure that out, mm -hmm. right? And it's constant catch up, constantly learning about consumer behaviors and how they're interacting in your category and with your brands and being there for them. Uh, one of our guests, John Lyons, uh, recently said, you have to be physically available, right? You yeah. have to be able to get the product in the time that you expect number one rule number one rule so manufacturers are having to partner with retailers to figure that out 
Yeah. Um, and it's across across the channels, whether it's on online or in store, you got to be available. Um, so that's that's cool stuff. I, I want to talk about um, <clears throat> we brought up Walmart. We've talked about Amazon. Can we start to kind of dissect the differences there? You mentioned Walmart is playing catch up, but in other areas, they're far ahead. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about what are some of the differences, kind of the nuanced differences between a Walmart, which is still the, the one-stop shop for everything, especially in brick and mortar, um, and then Amazon and how they are different, how they're alike, where do you see the future of that going? Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, let's actually start with Walmart. So number one retailer in the United States, they have been, probably will still be for a very long time just because of brick and mortar. So, you know, we talk about e-commerce like it's this really big thing. Uh, Pre-pandemic, you know, I would say less than 10% of total sales were happening in an e-commerce environment. Of course, that spiked during the pandemic, but we've actually seen it go kind of back down. Now, maybe it's like, depending on your category, 15% now, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's not like it held the pandemic levels uh, because people like to shop. They like the activity of shopping. I do not. I am not someone that enjoys shopping, but plenty of people do, right? Uh, I can think about like in college, if we were bored, uh, what would we do? We would just like go to Walmart at 10 p.m. and walk around. Why? I don't know, because we're Americans. Yeah. I like have no idea why we thought like that was the cool activity. But, you know, maybe today that's Target. You know, if like I have free time on the weekend, maybe I just go walk around Target. We like shopping. So that's like the biggest advantage for Walmart, so much so that Amazon does have some physical retail space, you know, and they've tried a few different ways to try to get into a physical store. I remember I was in Seattle like a long time ago for fun with my husband, uh, and that's when they had the Amazon bookstore, mm -hmm. uh, like a Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world? This is, uh, <laughs> which, you know, sometimes we forget that's how Amazon started was, you know, books and CDs. Yep. Yes, CDs, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, I think like that's where you start, right? It's like Walmart's biggest advantage over Amazon is that they are a physical retail space. Um, and they're a dependable physical retail space. So uh, when we think about Walmart, you know, except during the pandemic, we think what I need will be in stock. It will have the lowest price. It will be kind of easy. <laughs> sure. um, and like, that's how Walmart is so dependable in our lives. Um, you know, I was actually uh, just looking up the market caps of them uh, before this so that, you know, I made sure I had the most up-to-date numbers. Um, but interesting when I was doing that, like the first article that came up when you start to compare Amazon and Walmart from a retail perspective is, you know, we're in trying economic times mm -hmm. and most people in the retail space consider Walmart the bellwether, right? Mm -hmm. How Walmart does is how everyone does. So in some ways we don't care about the earnings of Depot, Lowe's, Target. All we care about is what, what are the earnings for Walmart? Yeah. Because the earnings for Walmart will kind of dictate the others. Um, in like the last economic crisis, they crazy won. I mean, we're talking stealing market share from everyone else because of their ability, uh, especially with their house brands to control price. So, you know, they will control price on their private label and increase price of manufacturer or national brand goods 
uh, just to kind of create that price discrepancy and pull people down to their house brands. Yeah. So, you know, in a time of economic crisis, value will always win, which is why, you know, Walmart will always win. Yeah. Now, Amazon can compete with them there, right? So Amazon has Amazon Basics. Uh, they're actually borderline getting in trouble for the way that they utilize private label on their platform. Uh, kind of a non-compete kind of situation. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's a place where Amazon can meet Walmart is on this value equation. Uh, often, if you go into a Walmart store and you look at Amazon, they're probably about the same price. Mm -hmm. And so then convenience will win, right? If, if value is kind of equal, convenience can start to win. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about them, you know, holistically, I said they're market caps. Uh, you know, I think uh, Amazon is about one and a half times the market cap. So Amazon, a trillion, it was a big deal when they yeah. made it over a trillion. And Walmart this morning was 400 million. So, you know, from a size, even though, you know, market caps aren't real size, yeah. <laughs> uh, Amazon is huge. It's just a behemoth compared yeah. to even the largest brick and mortar retailer in the United States. So that's one way to look at it. Uh, we can also look at square footage. So Amazon obviously has expanded their warehouse footprint because of COVID. Um, they, I mean, I think they've almost doubled their warehouse space uh, over that time. Uh, so they have, let's just call it 300 million square feet of warehouse space in the United States. And Walmart does not have that much. It's only like 100. But if we consider the square footage space of their retail stores, which if you think about if they're smart, they could use retail stores as distribution centers, because sure. why would they not? Uh, then they basically have three times the square footage as Amazon. So you can start to see like, you know, they're very comparable, um, but also they each have different advantages and disadvantages. So um, the other way I was kind of looking at it, uh, you know, in e-commerce, we have this retail media race, right? So everyone's trying to chase Amazon from an advertising perspective, creating revenue off of their existing online platforms. And Walmart was the fastest to follow them. So I would say, you know, on the list of retail media, I would suggest for a client to run, it would go Amazon, Walmart, everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Walmart is not as sophisticated as Amazon, but they're trying very hard to be as sophisticated. And from an eyeball perspective, you're more likely to have users on Walmart. So your advertising is, I guess, more bang for your buck is kind mm -hmm. of the way to think about it. Um, but even if we just compare their ad revenue, uh, Amazon does about 10x uh, Walmart on uh, advertising revenue. So even there, we can start to see how, you know, Amazon is really dominating the online space. Uh, Walmart is really dominating kind of the physical footprint space. Um, I guess the second part of the question was, you know, where will it go, so to speak? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Walmart will keep trying to compete. Uh, to me, I don't know, I guess they can both win is kind of how I think of it. Sure. There are just, as a shopper, there are certain things I'm probably always going to buy on Amazon because of convenience and how fast I need it. And, but there will also always be Walmart trips in my life. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of think for manufacturers, it's to your point, figuring out what that shopper journey is and understanding how to meet the needs of both of those trips. Yep. So make, 
to your point, being visible and in stock on both of those trips, that's how manufacturers win. This has been such a great conversation so far, and we've got some really interesting stuff here and so much more that we want to cover that I think what I'm going to do is break this into two parts. So if you've enjoyed this first part, make sure you're tuned in wherever you take in your podcasts. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to Retail Oriented there. And remember, when you're thinking about retail, it's always about selling in and selling through. Thanks a lot for listening. See you soon.